My goodness me, I don't even know where to start. What a way to end the day. It couldn't just be me and Rob Dawson. It couldn't just be me and Nader Monua. It couldn't just be me and Julien Laurent. We need you here to digest everything. Unbelievable. Argentina and Poland are through to the round of 16, but not without some telenovela drama. Uh, welcome to ESPNFC Daily. Nadam, let's begin with you, my friend. I will give you the first chapter of this story. I don't know where you want to go, man. We can go anywhere you want within this group. But at the end of the day, Poland can uh, buy the Arabians uh, anything they want uh, for the <laughs> remainder of the tournament. But what an incredible way to end this group, my friend. Initial reaction. Honestly, this is this is why I love football. This is why I love the World Cup. You know, going into that third group game, there's so much jeopardy, so much on the line, everything changing. It seems like everything is so calm. You kind of know how the result's going to go. But then there's a goal here, there's a goal there, there's a reaction. And now you're looking at the clock differently. And I think the beauty of it as well is the fact that both games weren't running at the same time. Like one game was three minutes ahead of the other. So you're wondering, well, have they done enough? Have they not? And you look at the Poland side, they're trying to decide, do they stick or do they twist? Do they push for a goal or do they try and protect what they have? And, you know, to be caught in between two stalls was so tough, but it was an absolutely incredible night's worth of football. And I'm sure the guys will admit as well, you know, that's, that's a very, very joyous day's worth of football in this World Cup so far. Absolutely. I'm going to try and do my best to try and uh, compartmentalise both matches, but they really were part of one huge narrative, obviously, as... You know, uh, first Chechny with a second penalty saved. And by the way, that was Lionel Messi. He's the first player to have two penalty saves at the World Cup, uh, excluding shootouts, of course. I'm sure La Pulga wants me to repeat that stat for him. Rob, give me uh, your initial reactions to all of this. Uh, I mean, you can go again, just like I gave to Nathan, my friend. You, you have carte blanche. Where do you want to go with this? I mean, I, I would I would echo what what Nedham said there. I mean, that is the beauty of the World Cup in in the last fifty minutes of both those games. You've got a, a team in Poland who are two 0 down, and you've got a manager stood on the touchline wondering whether he needs to put another defender on to protect what he has, or another forward on to try and get a goal because he doesn't know what's happening in the other, in the other game. It's this is the reason why people are drawn to watch watching the World Cup. It's I mean, it's incredible sport. Um, I, I I don't know if if finishes to, to, group, to groups like this can ever be beaten. It's, you know, trying to watch two games at, at once and see what's happening in one game and, and what's happening in the other game. It's, it's incredible. And, and ultimately, at the, end of the, at the end of all this, Poland have been very lucky. You know, Poland haven't had a shot on target. have been well beaten by Argentina, but are probably still sat in the dressing room celebrating. It, it's just a, a crazy, a crazy day um, and a crazy end to the group. Yeah, just insane. And Julia, to, to Rob's point, as Poland were hiding behind... You know, they're 2 nothing loss, hoping that it wasn't going to be more, hoping as well that fair play was going to strengthen their case and they didn't want any more yellow cards. Mexico, for all the issues they've had through the last 12 months, they killed themselves in this game. They gave it their absolute all, but in the end, it wasn't enough. What would you take of it, my friend? Yeah, I mean, I don't think Mexico lost the qualification tonight, though. You know, they lost the qualification by being abject against Poland, a Poland side, as we've seen, uh, uh, not very good. Let's be honest here, very average. That's where Mexico missed the trick. Not really tonight. Tonight, they did what they had to do. They beat Saudi Arabia. They pushed towards the end. That's why they conceded the goal. Uh, but, but really, it's, it's in that Poland game. Maybe the way they approached the Argentina game as well, to make a physical battle instead of making it a football match. That's maybe as, as well where they lost that qualification. 
but they were the they were the better second team really they were the better second team and and i think football can be cruel because until the saudi goal they were out on yellow cards which is crazy which is what happened to senegal four years ago with japan but in the end if they look at this group stage i think mexico can be disappointed with themselves for not having progressed to the last 16 because they should have been there yeah, 100%. They should have won that game against Poland. There's no doubt about it. And I think that's where it all started. Ned, so let's go back to you. Let, let, let's focus on the Argentina uh, narrative of, of this. They obviously are through. They win their group. And, you know, as bad as Poland were, Argentina, I guess, clicked. Uh, Julian Alvarez, uh, his third goal in his last five matches for Argentina, fourth Korea international goal. Messi did what he could do. They kept a clean sheet. Are you feeling better about them heading into the knockout stages? Yeah, I think I am. I think I am. After the first game against Saudi Arabia, it seems like it's a bit of a crisis and they have that second game against Mexico where you're thinking, where you know that they have to win and the pressure was really on it at times. That wasn't the best of games. But now in this moment, they control the game against Poland and in some ways, maybe that's because Poland didn't really know what they really wanted to do or needed to do at any particular moment. But they looked good overall. It's good to see Alvarez scoring. But then, you know, the game is so interesting. It just comes down to such small moments. And Lionel Messi missing a penalty in the first half in a game which Argentina needs to get a result from to qualify for the last stages. Like I was with Julian Laurent and he was saying, well, is this going to be Messi's last moment in a World Cup ever for Argentina? Him missing a penalty and his side crashing out? Well, the answer is no. And the best thing about it is you can see that Argentina at this World Cup are one of the best supported sides. So now they have a bit of momentum. They have that little sense of belief. And you know that whoever's going to be playing up against them, they're going to have a lot of people in that crowd, people who are expecting, people who are joyous to be able to see their side and they're going to be driving them forward. So I think they're a far more dangerous side now, given the way that they sort of made their way out of the group and made their way out of the group and been top. You know, they're going to be playing against an Australian side who, you know, got a result today, played well essentially for 45 minutes. But Argentina will be thinking this is another chance for us to go and stamp our authority down into the game, really make people aware that we are a significant force within this tournament. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's funny how football works. It really, really is. And I'm so glad because Messi is one of my favourite players of all time. So to see him get another chance at this World Cup to be in the next round, get a chance to go and rectify some issues that he had today, you know, it's really exciting. You know, whoever they play, it's going to feel like a huge game because this is the Argentina that we want to see at World Cup. They like to keep their Argentina fans uh, on their toes, don't they, after losing against Saudi Arabia in the opening game. But the stats prove themselves. Advanced past the World Cup group stages in 13 of its last... 14, by the way, World Cup uh, appearances, with 2002 being an, ex uh, an exception. Rob, um, Argentina, we've talked about Poland, advances to uh, the first knockout stage appearances since 1986, uh, uh, then eliminated in group stage in its last three FIFA World Cup appearances. So they're back in the knockout stages. We've talked about how we're worried about them. Do you see them getting knocked out in the round of 16 and that's it? Uh, Poland, yeah. Given the way they, they played, um, tonight, I don't see them getting past France. I mean, France are clearly one of the favourites anyway. They've obviously been beaten today with a with a much-changed side, but, you know, Didier Deschamps will be looking at that game thinking, this is brilliant. Um, we're going straight through. Um, you know, Poland have, have scraped through. Julian has, has touched on it there that, you know, they, they've not impressed particularly all the way through the groups and, and you know, ultimately they've, they've got lucky. Um, they, they've scraped through by the finest of margins and, and you know I, I don't think that there'll be anyone sat in that Poland dressing room now thinking that they, they can go and beat France obviously the World Cup throws up these free results and we've already seen Saudi Arabia in this very group beat Argentina and you know never say never but when when Didier Deschamps comes to um, to analyse this Poland team even with a striker like Robin Lewandowski up front he won't be fearing them at all and, and I think everyone would expect France to go through 
Jules, any thoughts on that game, Argentina against Poland? Fine, before we wrap up and just refocus again on Mexico and, and move on to the next narratives. I mean, you know, uh, to, to the point about Argentina losing that first game against Saudi Arabia, could you have imagined that Argentina, Lionel Scaloni, were going to pick it up and finish top at the end? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it was a shock result, of course. We were all like, wow, what's going on? Uh, but there were still two games to go. And against Mexico and Poland, you've always fancied Argentina. It was a bit nervy, maybe the first hour or the first half, certainly, against Mexico. But then once, once Messi scored that goal, and after that, you knew the tension was off and you knew that they were going to beat Poland today. We said with Nadem, once the first goal went in, we said, OK, they can easily win 3-4-0 now. And to be fair, they had the chances to go 3-4-5-0 up. So, yeah, they were still very strong favorite to top that group. And maybe that defeat against Saudi Arabia sort of like changed something in the sense that suddenly there, there was adversity. Before they'd won 35 in a, in a row, everybody could see them as, as, as favorite, maybe winning it as well for Messi's last World Cup. And maybe that shock result early was like, okay, right, we will have to fight for this if we really want to go all the way. And I agree with Nadem. I think the momentum they have now, you don't want to be Australia because they could thrash them. And then whoever is in the quarterfinals and then potentially Brazil in the semifinal as well, you think like, okay, they picked up that momentum. They're playing better. They're starting to find the, the best 11 that they have right now with Los Celso being up for this tournament before. So they, 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 would be, they would be very dangerous and favorite again now. Yeah, absolutely. They're kind of having the same path they had in qualifiers where it was just like, oh, what's going on with Scaloni? And then step by step, week by week, uh, qualifying window after qualifying window, they were getting better. Nadam, uh, Lewandowski. I mean, you know, one of the best number nines out there, uh, Ballon d'Or, if, if he's never, uh, you know, winning it, he's definitely a contender, you know, Bayern Munich legend, and of course, Barcelona now, not that great in this World Cup. Uh, is it more to do with the team itself or, or him, do you think? Um, perhaps the answer is both, yeah. Like, I think ultimately the way that um, Poland do play, it's not the most expansive style. You know, they're not controlling the ball that much, not creating tons of chances. But he's still, he's still up there. I think at times he's pressing well, but he's basically looking at scraps. And at times when they do release the ball to him, it's not as if support is literally flying up to get, to get there to help him. So sometimes it's almost like they're relying upon him to be the great individual that he is. But unfortunately, that's not going to be enough. And I think I'm with Julian. In the next round, you're fancying them to, to essentially go out. But it is still great to have somebody like Lewandowski in your side because you sort of anticipate that in that next game, they're not going to get a ton of chances. But maybe they'll get one and maybe that drops to Lewandowski. And as we've seen hundreds of times before, he's capable of finishing those opportunities. So I'm sure he will be frustrated in some ways, especially because in theory, this could be his last one. The fact is they're still in it and still to still be in it is something that many teams would be dreaming of right now and to be in it with a chance knowing that you know at the end of the day you just need one game to go your way to get to the next round i think he'll just keep the faith keep believing keep working hard because that's all he's ever done throughout his career so i think there is an element of disappointment about how he's not scored more how his team's not played better but you wanted to get out of the group now he has a big check for that and now they go on into the knockouts and believe that yeah maybe they can go a bit further than people think Maybe, maybe. You never know. The knockout stages is a brand new tournament in many ways. We're going to say bye to Rob Dawson very soon. But before he goes, Rob, uh, final question to you, my friend. After Saudi Arabia defeated Argentina, now they're top. They're looking good. Everybody's feeling a little bit better about them. Did you expect this after that loss to Saudi Arabia? Because many thought, you know, well, they're done, I think. They're done. What did you think? 
I mean, it, it wasn't the Saudi Arabia defeat that, that worried me with Argentina because you know teams have those days sometimes and you know just nothing happens and you, and you get a freak result. It was just, it was a sixty minutes against Mexico that worried me because they were very lethargic against Saudi Arabia and when they needed to put their foot down they couldn't do it and, and they struggled against Mexico and it was really only a moment of messy magic that turned that game and then obviously they go on and win the game. Before tonight, I was worried about Argentina. I thought they might go out tonight, but they were they were far better than I expected. And um, you know, Scaloni's picked the two young guys, Enzo Fernandez in midfield and, and Julian Alvarez up front, and it seemed to just inject a load of energy. And, and they seemed a lot sharp on the ball. They moved it a lot quicker. You know, Julian Alvarez is a fantastic player. No one's really spoken about him at City because Haaland has scored all those goals, but he's already yeah. scored seven goals for City. Well, this guy has. This guy high right um, here has been yelling about Julian Alvarez, and nobody says anything wrong. Nobody listens to me, Rob Dawson. But he's been fantastic, and he and he was fantastic for City. He was fantastic tonight. Scored a wonderful goal, and Scol- you know, Scaloni hasn't made that many changes to his team in, in qualifying and joining the, the, the Copa America, and he has kind of stumbled on a team now. If you judge, if you go by tonight, and maybe this is a team that's going to take them through into the knockouts. And finally, you know, I think they came in as a, a tournament favourite before the before we all arrived here. They're on that huge unbeaten run. They're the champions of, of South America, and people were watching them in the first two games, thinking, "Where is this Argentina?" And they turned up tonight. And if they play like that through the knockouts, then they're going to go very, very far in this competition. They were, they were fantastic tonight. All right, let me put you in the spot before you go. Are they going to the final? <laughs> I mean, Brazil in the semi-final looks <laughs> scary. They're on a roll until they meet Selecao. I think that's what it's going no, to happen. No, I don't think so. Not the final, but, but they'll go far. Okay, we'll see. Well, Rob Dawson, make sure you get some sleep, buddy. Thank you so much, my friend. Rob Dawson right there. Make sure to follow all his content. He's there covering the World Cup for ESPN, ESPN FC. All right, let's keep going here. Julian, Messi Dependencia uh, is slowly becoming a thing. We talked about it during qualifiers. I went on, on your show with Gab talking about how it's no longer becoming a thing. It did seem a little apparent at the beginning, but not more. I mean, let's talk about this young squad a little more. Julian Alvarez, of course, Enzo Fernandez earlier on. They, they have a lot of talent. Do you worry... Anywhere in the knockout stages. I mean, how far do you have them going? Because the Brazil obstacle is there. No matter what happened in Copa America, the Brazil obstacle is there. Do you think it's more about these young guys can take them or is it Messi Dependencia continues? No, I don't. I mean, I'm not really sure about the Messi dependence. I have to say, we were watching with Nadam today and we said at some point, we said to each other, let's, let's just keep our eyes just on Messi. And, and we were for like three minutes and then they created a chance that Messi didn't touch the ball. And we, then we were laughing and we said, you see, we, were, we wanted to see just what Messi was doing, what, what his position, what kind of position he would pick, what he would do, if they were looking for him all the time or not. And in the end, they created a really good chance without him being involved at all. So I don't, I don't believe in that Messi dependent. Of course, he's the greatest player of all time. So if he's in a good position or he can do something magical at any time, of course he can. But I think they've got a much stronger collective, maybe the strongest collective that Messi has ever played with, with Argentina, which is very valuable to him and to everybody else, of course. I still think that I've got an issue with Di Maria as much as I love him as a, obviously a PhD fan myself. But I, I'm not sure how well he fits in there. Okay, he brings some pace that maybe others don't have. I would still fancy some sort of Lautaro Martinez, Julian Alvarez front two with Messi in a free role any way he wants, and then, and then have my midfielders behind and my back four, where I would not have Otamendi, by the way. There was another reckless tackle tonight where we thought, uh-uh, why, would, why would you go to ground like this? Why would you do that? <laughs> but, but Which is a good thing for Argentina, because right now you can use the Australia game in a way 
to, 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 to try to get there to your ideal 11 or perfect 11 if you want for then the quarterfinal, semifinal, final, when things are going to be much tougher, no offense, but much tougher than Mexico, Poland, Saudi Arabia and Australia. Yeah. Final word on Argentina, Nadem. Uh, I, I don't know how far you had them before the tournament. Obviously, you're a big Messi fan. H how do you see it here? Obviously, it was remarkable to see Australia come runner up as well. I mean, amazing. If yeah. anybody saw the Melbourne scenes, incredible. But surely they can get past Brazil uh, if it goes their way, of course, becomes their first major obstacle. Yeah, um, you know, respectfully to Australia, you do get the feeling that Argentina are going to dominate that game. But, you know, this is football. Anything goes. And for me, you know, when we created the brackets for ESPN, I did have Argentina and Brazil in the semifinal like a lot of us did. But I had Brazil going through. But I'm prepared to change it now. Because if <laughs> Neymar isn't playing for Brazil, but Messi's playing for Argentina, then that's the way that I'm going to go. And I think Argentina could make it to the final. But there's a lot of football to go before that point. But it's a matchup that myself and I'm sure lots of other people around the world would love to see. But if they do match up in the way that they have done at this moment in time with Neymar being out, I think I could see Argentina going all the way and getting themselves a chance in the final to win that World Cup. Yep, a very good point. We'll have to see how Neymar does. Reports are suggesting that, yeah, obviously missing on Cameroon, but we'll have to win the round of 16. All right, Julia, France. Well, I mean, you know, they were through anyway, and uh, they put Camavinga as a left back, I feel. I, what are your reactions to this game uh, against Tunisia? I mean, obviously, it has a lot of political and social cultural history behind it. Tunisia were well up for it. I rotated France. Are you, did you take anything out of that that made you worry? Is it okay to rotate? What do you think? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Am I allowed? Can I swear on this show? What time, yeah, what sure. time is the in, in show? Can you beep, beep it out? Can you beep it out? <laughs> Just no? go beep. Uh, I think it was a beep show. Uh, I think it was. I think it was terrible from Deschamps to start with. I'm, I've got nothing against rotation. He changed nine players from the starting eleven that beat Denmark convincingly. Uh, so I've got nothing with changing. You want to rest players. You want to avoid injuries to your key players like Mbappe and Griezmann and. And Rabiot, no problem. I've got no problem with that. My issue is what you do with the changes that you make. Because what Deschamps planned for this game tonight against Tunisia was just didn't make any sense. It was absolute BS. It was nonsense. The system, there was no system. There was no formation. You can't even tell me it was a 4-3-3. That's not true because then that would have meant Gendouzi was left winger, which he wasn't. You can't give me it was a 4-4-2 because Coman played wide on the right. You can't, you, you, there's nothing you can bring to me tactically where I would go, oh yeah, okay, that was it. Nothing. So he made a mess of it. 
And to be fair, I thought it was a disgraceful performance from him, from the players who played, because you can still have some sort of formation if you're French players, French national players, but do better than what I saw today at, in that stadium. Tunisia were up for it, of course, because a win. If the other game, if the result of the Australia-Denmark game had gone their way, they would have qualified. And to be yeah. fair, they deserve to win today. They, they played with what they do. They've got a lot of hearts and they, they're quite intense. And then they've got Wabi Kazri, who's a wonderful player, who has such a touch and so much flair. And I think they would have qualified had he been fit through the whole tournament. But he could only play an hour, for example, today because he struggles with fitness. And that's all they did. But that was enough because France was so atrocious, so horrible that I just, I don't even think we need to waste time on this game. It's a game that they've already forgotten. It's a game they didn't care about. It's a game they took lightly, that they took for granted. Deschamps included, Deschamps and the boys. And I think the, the quickest we can forget about it, the better it is for everybody in the whole entire world and the whole universe. I love this. I love this from Julian. Absolutely love it. Love it. Not holding back at all. Nadem, do you agree? Listen, Julian is the French correspondent. I cannot top anything that he said. I think that was fantastically well said. It was very, very enjoyable because to this point, he's had that sort of French swagger, you know, we're playing well, we're winning, all this stuff. And now he's had the real downer. He's felt a bit of negativity about it. He's angry. He's angry. Exactly. Julian, welcome to the World Cup, my friend. Enjoy your moment. And I hope everybody enjoyed that as well. You know, you're in my... I can cut you the Wi-Fi. You're in my, you're in my flat, Nathan. Listen, you cut my Wi-Fi. You cut your Wi-Fi as well. Don't forget that. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Don't self-sabotage. Don't self-sabotage. <laughs> well, let, let, let me ask you this then, uh, Nathan. And obviously, Julian, I, I want you to chime in here. Does, from what we saw today more about France heading into the knockout stage? Do we know more? Um, what Does it worry you more heading into the uh, knockout stage? Or does it worry you at all? I don't know how far you had France, but obviously the defending champions, a plethora of talent, even with uh, without Karim Benzema, this is a very strong side. But to Jules's point, what we saw today was calamity from Didier Deschamps. And sometimes when you have that kind of calamitous uh, performance, decision-making, that can really hurt you against a stronger team. And the knockout stages, you can't afford to do that. Yes, it's true. But I think what I would say is that some of those players that we saw today, we might not see again for the rest of this tournament. It's not because, <laughs> yeah. they're, it's not because they're bad players as such, but you know the performances that they put out there will matter. Because when push comes to shove and it's a knockout round against a better, better opposition, and he looks down the bench and his last memory is of maybe Gendouzi playing on the left wing. You know, it's not necessarily going to be something that tells you his confidence. But France is still a very, very good side. They are the reigning champions. They, I had them going all the way to the final. I've not really moved away from that because, you know, their best side was not the side which was seen today. But their best side is the one which they had the confidence of winning two games so far in this tournament. So I think the matchups and stuff were massive. But you do fancy them um, against Poland. And ultimately, from there, you get into the quarterfinals and the semis and the like. They're a very, very good side, and they do have one of the best players in the world in killing Mbappe. And if he plays anywhere near his potential, there's always a chance that he'll be the difference maker. So for as good a system as they have and the attacking talent, it always helps to have some of the best players in the world playing for you. So I don't really worry about them too much. I think today was probably an abomination, as, uh, as Julian has kind of described there. But France is still France, and people still fancy them. And they, as soon as that round of 16 starts, as Julian said, I guarantee you'll forget about this performance today against Tunisia because in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. 
Jules, very quickly. I mean, I want you to keep the anger. Do, do, do you have different <laughs> hopes for France in the, in the knockout stages after seeing this? Or do you think Didier Deschamps is, like Nadim is saying, I think Deschamps is, all right, I've seen what I have. I know what I want. Yeah, I mean, this game, like I said, this game didn't mean anything to them. Too, too much for my liking. But, but the game is forgotten. They've moved on already to Poland. They would have watched the game together today in their hotel. And they're already focusing about Lewandowski, Zielinski and all that, that Polish side. They, they've forgotten already about Kazri and Tunisia. It's, it's a game that will have no impact on them, on the, the team spirit, on their team unity or anything like that. The only thing is, quickly, like Nadam said, it's disappointing because Deschamps is going to rewatch that game and think, OK, I thought I could maybe count on Fofana in midfield. Fofana was atrocious. OK, maybe I thought Coman was a bit better than the level that he showed today. So Dembele will still decide. Those kind of things. But again, it's got, it's got no impact. I don't think it will have an impact. All right. Well, let's move on to tomorrow's matches in Group F. And Croatia, I don't think uh, we're too worried about. We'll have to see. But they're leading the group with four points. Then you have uh, them playing Belgium. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Let me just rewind here. Uh, yes. Okay. Let's talk. Well, actually, here's what I want to talk about. Germany currently bottom. Belgium is third, only one point behind Croatia and Morocco. So I want to talk about those two big teams right there, Belgium and Germany in different groups, potentially going out later. I mean, <clears throat> how, which one would you be leaning towards here? Wouldn't it be amazing if Costa Rica beats Germany, says the Latin American? Wouldn't that be incredible? <laughs> uh, I don't know where you want to go with, with either side, but what do you make of those two, those two big teams potentially out of here? The golden generation is... Definitely not golden anymore. And Germany, uh, for a second consecutive World Cup, they're getting out of the group stage. Okay, so I think when we think about the fact that Costa Rica lost 7-0 to Spain, but then they won against Japan, I think the result against Germany would be somewhere in the middle. It just feels that way to me, because Costa Rica, like, they did best in that second game, but uh, Germany, we, we see them in the later stages of competitions more often than not. Obviously, there are examples when that's not the case. But they are still a very good sign. I think against Spain recently, they showed something which would probably get them across the line against Costa Rica, which is a level of fight and desire to go and get the result that they needed to make sure that they stayed in the competition. I think in that first game against Japan, they got a little bit lax. But when all of a sudden the time isn't against you and say the outcome is now more definitive, you know, I think they can find another gear. And this is the best version of Germany that we've seen for uh, across the years that we've been watching them. But they are still very capable. But the bigger issue for me, really, is Belgium. Because... I really don't know what to expect from them. I think two of the performances they've had so far, even though they yielded three points, I think they've been very, very poor. I think some of their best players have looked very, very pedestrian, very, very average. So you're wondering, well, will they be able to get themselves together for this third game? Well, I don't know, because if you read what you read about the, the players, they're, they're almost disagreeing with each other out in the open. And when you're doing that, you're trying to send a message, and now all of a sudden you send a message back, but almost not to each other directly, but so that everybody can see what's going on. So it doesn't seem like they're a happy camp and going into that game where they must win, essentially. I do not feel confident about them at all, even though they have all the talent that they have. I'd like to see Lukaku play and maybe make the difference. But, you know, I believe in Germany, but I've not seen anything from Belgium that would make me think that I should believe in them to get to the last stages. Yeah, let's just uh, paint the picture for tomorrow then, Jules. I'd love to just tell me what storylines you're looking out here, if you echo any of Nadem's. But so we have the Group F matches with Croatia against Belgium. Uh, you know, it's and then you have Canada against Morocco. Morocco, by the way, three never has a World Cup seen three African teams in the knockout stages. We've already got one 
And Ghana could be another one. You never know. And then Morocco, we'll see. But then Canada, Morocco, obviously Canada out, Croatia, Belgium, and then in the afternoon, Eastern time, New York, of course, Japan against Spain and Costa Rica against Germany. Where is your attention, my friend? I'll be at the Belgian game, the Croatia-Belgium game. I've, I've covered Belgium this, in this competition for ESPN. Uh, and Okay, what have they shown you then? Nothing to start with. Like, <laughs> pitch, nothing. As simple as that. Uh, I've loved the whole implosion really of that dressing room because us French, we kind of know that kind of, of shizzle. Um, <laughs> and I thought, it's not that I didn't think it could happen to, to Belgium. I just thought there was a point where they would see and me and them, me and, sorry, me and Nadem described, talked about it at the start of the tournament. And, and it's a story that I was, I was ready to go on the website, on the ESPN website about this competition being the last dance, the Michael Jordan last dance for this golden generation. Mm. And I've spoken to people and, and I had it nicely written, you know, long read, perfect. And then that all went to pieces because of the situation that they found himself. It's not the last dance. It's just the, it's the last nightmare for them because things have gone so badly on the field where the Canada game, they won it. They were so lucky to win it. They had 20 shots against them to two for them. The, the Morocco game was a car crash, absolute car crash, because, yes, they had a bit of the ball in the first half, but they could not do anything with it uh, and about it. And then we're well beaten in the end. Whether you think it was a quarter mistake or not, and we had a discussion, me, Nadem, and, and Her Gomez as well for, for hours. And then now this game, and in between the implosion, the infighting, not, not physically infighting, but with words, with tensions, with attitudes. Uh, there was a barbecue, I was being told, I mean, which is, which is really, it's really unfortunate in a way, but there was a barbecue plan for the whole squad and the families the, the night of the Morocco game, or the, the, sorry, the next day at lunchtime. So imagine once Vertonghen and Hazard and De Bruyne and Courtois have like, kind of like sworn at each other and say, you're too slow and you're too old and you can't create anything and, and you're rubbish. And then they had to literally share the burgers together with the wives, the missus were there <laughs> and the kids and no one was talking. It was like, it's, it, you know, it was like, I don't know, maybe like a funeral or something. It was Do you crazy. think that's a massive factor, Jules, then? Do you think that's that rift, that issues? I mean, obviously not all of it is a factor, but do you think that has a massive factor towards what's happening on the pitch? Yeah, I think so. I think, again, we go back to what Deschamps said before the Denmark game. He said, listen, team spirit can't make you win matches at the World Cup, but it can make you lose some if the team spirit is not right up there. And you don't have, Nadam has been in, in dressing like you and me, but you don't have to love each other. And, you know, they don't have to be all brothers and all that fraternity thing. Of course, there's people where you get on more with than others. It's normal. It's like in every job, every, everybody. But to be so toxic, I think, can have a negative impact. And certainly, certainly in the first two games, they didn't play for each other. They didn't fight for each other. They, they were clearly questioning some of the decision by the manager, whether it was the starting 11 or during the game. They had a big meeting on Monday where they all gathered and they actually said the truth to each other, that kind of stuff. And I do believe that they will do it tomorrow against Croatia because they will finally get together. I don't think they go further. I think they will be then knocked out by Spain, for example, in the last 16. But I do think that tomorrow they will just manage to gather and say, okay, one last time, let's do this. We can't, we can't be knocked out by Canada, Morocco and Croatia here. It's, it's embarrassing. So I, I expect them to really react tomorrow. I might be wrong. I expect them to react, 
But I think this is the limit that it is. They can react once, but they can't go much further than that. Well, I tell you what, the dressing room in the ESPN FC uh, five-a-side team in, in Qatar <laughs> is too much. So no, good no, right now. Beautiful. You guys are killing it. You're absolutely killing it. Uh, Nedim, uh, Jules brought up a really good point, okay? You've been in the most professional of dressing rooms, of course, uh, in your career. How do you deal with this? Because surely it's not always rosy, right? Uh, especially in training, uh, let alone match day. How, how does this, is, is it as easy as compartmentalizing and saying, look, we've got our issues, but let's move on. Does it become harder in a situation like the World Cup where everything is so microscopically looked at? What, what, do, you, what do you think as a former professional? So what I would say in terms of that is that obviously every situation is different. And what I mentioned isn't necessarily specific to that Belgian side. But even the best advice coming from someone you don't like doesn't hit the same as somebody that you do. So somebody might suggest, you know, we have compartmentalize this. We'll just try and get focused on the game. But if you've already lost your connection with, the, with that person, then their words mean nothing. And ultimately, I think the biggest difference is there are people who you want to work with and people who you have to work with. And even though you'll still work alongside them, that difference could be when somebody's running forward and they need support, you go with them. Or when somebody's running back and they need support, you go with them. You know, it's little details like that. Instead of, at times, there could be such a rift whereby all this pe these people go forward and these people go back. You need to do things as a collective. I think that's what we see from the teams who perform the best in this tournament, that everybody's pulling in the same direction together, understanding it, and sort of being there for each other. I think for this Belgian side, because the players, as, as really said, you know, it's like a golden generation. These are these are people who are old enough. They're not going to change who they are, and they know what they believe in. So when it's the small senior players who are kind of disagreeing with each other, it's very hard to find a compromise because they're pretty much going to be set in their ways now. Because you can't necessarily talk them around. Like who talks around the senior within a group? It's well, who's more senior? Well, they're all seniors, so they're all in the same situation. So for me, I hope that they can put something together because I love the Belgian side when they're. When they're free flowing, but that's not what we've seen at the moment, and it's tough to not be able to just. And it's tough to just say that the stuff off the field doesn't matter because they've shown us something which would make us suggest that it really does because they have a lot of talent, but they're no not performing anywhere near as, as good as they could be if maybe things were more stable off the field. Yeah, that's some great input right there, and some great reporting there from Jules. Uh, a nice way to really contextualize everything that's going on with Belgium. All right, we're nearly done here with ESPN FC Daily. Don't forget that we're back tomorrow. Yes, we continue. We don't get a day off. We keep on rolling uh, on ESPN FC Daily. But before we go, very quickly, the predictions for tomorrow. Jules, let's, uh, and Nadim. So I'll ask Jules, Nadim, you jump in. Just get, you don't have to give me an essay. Just give me your predictions. Who's getting out of the group? Group E, Spain is top. Japan second right now. Costa Rica and Germany are fourth. Is it staying as is? Anything changing? Jules, what do you have? I've got Spain topping that group. I think, you know, I think this is a, a no-brainer. Uh, and then I think, German, I think Germany will do it. So I think Germany will finish second. Okay, the boring answer, which is what I have as well. So I <laughs> I'm agreeing with you. I think it's going to happen. I just opened it. What do you think, Nadem? Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I've got, I've got a thing to say. Yeah, I know it's a boring answer, but it happens more often than not. So, yeah, I'm going to have to go with that. And, yeah, we'll see what happens. We're all agreeing there. I just, I, please, Costa Rica, please. Anyway, all right. Group F, we got Croatia leading that group. Morocco, who could be the second African team to make it into the knockout stages. Belgium, as we've talked about, and Canada, obviously, out. Nadam, I'll start with you. What do you have here in Group F? Uh, gosh, this is this killed me because in my bracket, I have Croatia and Belgium, so that's really annoying. But um, <laughs> I, at this point, 
I'm going to say this off the field stuff does matter. So I'm going to go for Croatia and I'm going to go for Morocco. That's my I, two. I love it. I love it. Yeah, my group is a mess in this one as well, Nathan. So don't worry. But Jules, what do you have, my friend? So I think Morocco will top that group. I think they'll be, they'll be Canada. And then I've got Belgium. Like I said, I think they're going to beat Croatia to finish, to just like scrap through a second place and then face Spain and then get knocked out in the last 16 and, come, and go on holidays. Yeah, I think I have exactly the same thing. But wouldn't it be great to see Morocco, my goodness, get into the knockout stages? Fantastic stuff right there. All right. Well, that is it from everybody here. Nadam, Jules, LME, thank you so much. ESPN FC Daily continues twice a day. We'll be back after the matches live right here. Plenty of guests, plenty of banter. Our friend Kay Murray will be back later in the week. I know you miss her. I know, I know. She's coming back. Don't worry. All right, but make sure to follow us on ESPN, ESPN FC, and of course, follow these two fine gentlemen as well as they are there at the World Cup covering the sport just for us. Have a fantastic rest of your day, evening, wherever you are, and we'll see you next time. Till then, bye-bye.